This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today we're diving into verses 3 through to about 5, I believe, of Seneca's 23rd letter on the true joy which comes from philosophy. And in these few verses, Seneca is starting to unpack this message of the letter, which is that there is a true internal joy, a light that shines from within, uh, that we can gain access to uh, as we study philosophy, and as we get closer uh, to attaining that elusive thing that we call wisdom. So anyway, we'll read these verses and see what we can take away from it. He says, quote, Do you think that I am now robbing you of many pleasures when I try to do away with the gifts of chance, when I counsel the avoidance of hope, the sweetest thing that gladdens our hearts? Quite the contrary. I do not wish you ever to be deprived of gladness. I would have it born in your house, and it is born there, if only it be inside of you. Other objects of cheer do not fill a man's bosom, They merely smooth his brow and are inconstant, unless perhaps you believe that he who laughs has joy. The very soul must be happy and confident, lifted above every circumstance. Real joy, believe me, is a stern matter. Can one, do you think, despise death with a carefree countenance, or with a blithe and gay expression, as our young dandies are accustomed to say? Or can one thus open his door to poverty, or hold the curb on his pleasures, or contemplate the endurance of pain? He who ponders these things in his heart is indeed full of joy, but it is not a cheerful joy. It is just this joy, however, of which I would have you become the owner, for it will never fail you when once you have found its source. End quote. So I really enjoy these few verses from Seneca because what he's doing here is he's explaining to us the nature of the kind of joy that he would have us feel in our hearts, right? In our souls. And uh, and, and so he's giving us a description of this kind of joy. He's also telling us how we might go about getting to that kind of joy. And we have to think about these two elements, you know, the nature of the joy and how to get it in these verses from Seneca. So let's start with the nature of this kind of joy. Well, first, there's a beautiful analogy that Seneca gives us towards the start, and I absolutely love this. He says, I do not wish you ever to be deprived of gladness. I would have it born in your house, and it is born there, if only it be inside of you. Right, so here he's telling us about the nature of this kind of joy. It's not something that you will get from external goods, right? It's not something that comes from the outer world, like getting something new uh, or achieving something in your external life, right? It's something that is within you, born within you. What does it mean for something to be born in your house? 
You know, he wants it to be something that is always close to you, no matter where you are, no matter what situations you're going through in your life, you'll always have access to this. And that's good news, right? (laughs) That's certainly good news that this kind of joy that Seneca is trying to get us to experience is something that uh, once we find it, we will have access to it at all times because it is, as he says, born into our house. And I also don't think that it is an accident that he uses this analogy of being born into your house. I mean, you could certainly think of the body being the home of the soul, right? The place where the soul resides. Uh, And so moving on, uh, we also have some other details here about this kind of joy. He says that it's a stern matter. Real joy is a stern matter. Right? So it's not necessarily uh, the kind of pleasure you might think of, uh, but it, it, it's kind of a serious matter. He also says uh, this is not a cheerful joy, right? And we'll go into the, to the reasons why that might be the case. And one final clue to the nature of this kind of joy, he says that it will never fail you when once you have found its source. And so that's a pretty big statement to make, right? Like, this is obviously a very, very special thing that Seneca is trying to get across to us here, trying to get us to experience. And one final part of the nature of this kind of joy, he says, uh, the very soul must be happy and confident, lifted above every circumstance, right? So, happy confident, lifted above every circumstance. That's the nature of this kind of joy, right? Again, thinking about the kind of terminology that he's using here in relation to the Stoic philosophy, lifted above every circumstance, you know, lifted above these external circumstances of our lives, right? And finding home within ourselves in this internal, uh, pure, happy joy, right? And 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 confidence as well is an interesting choice. Uh, I'm not sure what the translation is, obviously, but uh, they felt like this word was uh, uh, correct enough in in the in the sentence. Certainly, this confidence is what I like to think about a lot in relation to uh, Seneca's, you know, philosophy and theology of life. You might remember the very first episode that I did of this series. I talked about uh, Seneca's beautiful passage where he's standing there on the island of Corsica and he's looking up at the stars. You know, he's tracking their movements and he's saying. What does it matter which ground I stand on? You know, as long as I can track the movements of the stars, as long as I can feel this connection with the cosmos, right? And I talked about how I feel like Seneca really is trying to get across in his writing a sense of being at home in the cosmos and a sense of being at home within himself. Uh, and a sense of what I term as cosmic confidence, right? And here he is saying that this kind of joy that he wants us to experience, uh, part of the nature of this kind of joy is a confidence in life. So now we want to think about how Seneca is telling us that we get to this kind of joy. And so first, he says at the very start, do you think that I'm now robbing you of many pleasures when I try to do away with the gifts of chance, when I counsel the avoidance of hope, the sweetest thing that gladdens our hearts? So he's trying to get us to do away with the gifts of chance and to avoid hope. Now, why would Seneca do this, right? Why would this be a part of the path to achieving this kind of joy that he is, uh, is getting us to see here? 
So the avoidance of the gifts of chance, that's an easy one to answer because we know that Seneca's philosophy says that we should avoid putting our trust in things that are completely outside of our control, uh, putting our trust in things that can be given and taken at any time. That is the gifts of chance that Seneca is talking about. And so when you put your trust in things that can be given or taken, when you put your hopes and your dreams and, uh, and, and all of your faith into these things that can be taken away from you at any time, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment in life because fate will come along and throw all kinds of gifts at you. It will also take all kinds of things from you. The Stoic philosophy is very clear on this, that we need to not uh, be so attached to those things that are external to us, meaning those things that are really up to fate. And ultimately, what we want is to put our trust in our internal world, you know, our ability to make the best decision that we can uh, in relation to the situations that befall us in life, no matter what they are. And that is something that is within us, not something external to us. At least if you're talking about the Stoic philosophy. Uh, so then the other thing that he says is, uh, when I counsel the avoidance of hope, the sweetest thing that gladdens our hearts. Right, so notice here that Seneca actually gives the devil its due, right, and points out that this is something that really sweetens our hearts, right? It's something that brings a, a certain kind of pleasure and joy to us, right? But nonetheless, he still he still counsels us, counsels us, sorry, uh, to avoid hope. Now, why does he do this? You might remember in previous episodes, I've talked about Seneca's philosophy of hope and fear, where he talks about how really they are bed partners, these two things. Because what is hope other than a fear that anything outside of what you're hoping for will happen? And here's what I mean by that. When you say, I'm hoping that this will happen, right? Now, are you not at the same time setting up parameters for your future by which you will only be happy and satisfied when this happens, and if anything outside of that thing happens, that will not be labeled as good to you, right? We're saying, I will be happy and this will be good if this happens in my future, but if it doesn't happen, then basically that can be labeled as uh, unwanted uh, scenarios, and of course, it's not always black and white, right? Uh, but the Stoics stand by their case that uh, hope and fear are not necessarily the most helpful things. What we want is to be uh, dealing with every situation in our life in this moment with a high degree of attention and care to the moment, no matter what it is. Not hoping that it will be anything other than what it is, right? And being satisfied with it just being exactly what the reality of the situation is and being satisfied with our ability to deal re reasonably with that situation. Gee, I had a hard time getting that thought out, but I hope you're following along here, right? So this is why Seneca advises us to, uh, you know, do away with the gifts of chance and to uh, not necessarily uh, uh, garner this, this feeling of hope too often if we want to experience this specific kind of joy that he is asking us to find. And these points from Seneca, along with the next ones that I'll make, uh, really should make you think this is what he's talking about when he says that this kind of joy is a stern matter, and it's not necessarily a cheerful joy, right? Uh, why? Because we have to do away with the gifts of chance. We have to avoid hope, right? And we have to do these things as well. He says, can anyone, do you think, despise death with a carefree countenance? Uh, can 
one thus opened the door to poverty, or hold curb on his pleasures, or contemplate the endurance of pain. Okay, so you might be asking, what do any of these have to do with, with, with this joy that he's asking us to experience? Well, he says right here, he obviously thinks that these things are very important for us to do. He says, uh, he who ponders these things in his heart is indeed full of joy, but it is not a cheerful joy. Right. So again, this is it's less like this kind of pleasure-seeking joy that we might think of when we use the term joy. It's more of a joy, as he said, that it's a confidence and it's a knowledge that you have within you the power to endure whatever hardships life throws your way. To know that no matter what comes at you in life, you'll be able to go through it with a certain sense of equanimity and with a confidence in your ability to look at the realities of whatever situation is befalling you right now and to deal with that situation with a solid character, you know, with reasonable action and with a connection to the cosmos, right? A connection to that thing which is much bigger than you and which you are a part of. And so this is the sort of stuff that I see in these verses here. You know, Seneca is uh, giving us a lot of ways that we can think about attaining this kind of joy. Uh, The biggest one that I see is this kind of negative visualization that he's talking about here in terms of uh, opening the door to poverty, you know, curb your pleasures or contemplate the endurance of pain, right? These are things that he's trying to get us to do, to look at the harsh realities of life, right, and to see that in spite of their, you know, uh, defined harshness, uh, we actually have the ability to endure them. And we have the ability to endure them with a good character. And that there is the true joy that comes from this pursuit of philosophy that Seneca is trying to tell us here, right? And this is really the, the path of philosophy, right? Learning that no matter what happens to us in life, there is always bubbling up from the depths, uh, this, as Marcus Aurelius called it, this wellspring of goodness, right? Uh, that we have access to if we will but look, if we will but pay attention, right, uh, to our character, and, uh, and so this is just a few thoughts that I have about, uh, about these few verses from Seneca. And we're going to continue in the next episode on with the next verses because there's some absolutely stunning writing from Seneca coming right up. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>